Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast, where we talk about NHL players and their cases for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley. Over there is Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how about you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today we have a two-thirds Swedish episode, uh, <laughs> because we couldn't find a Swedish old-timer. Um, so, uh, or old, super old-timer, I guess. Um, so our eligible player uh, this week is Daniel Avertson. Our recently inducted player is Matt Sundin, and our old-timer, who's completely unrelated to those two, is Odie Cleghorn, brother of Sprague, who we already talked about, um, I don't know, four or five episodes ago, something like that, I think. Yeah. Um, so we we are starting off with Daniel Albertson, who is definitely one of those players who, like, every year that people um, put out a, like, eligible list or like oversight list makes a fair number of them. I feel like he's, he's mentioned a lot. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's because of his uh, career numbers, you know, he's, and especially given his position as a Swede, he's a, uh, he's a top five, a uh, top two offensive player after that's thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in terms of points and goals mm -hmm. um, for Sweden and, um, you know, he like also played the fifth most games of any Swedish NHLers. So he's, you know, he he if if nationality meant something, mm -hmm. um, he would he would have a case off off of that if we cared. Um, but also, you know, uh, as we will talk about at one point, he did have um, one year in particular where he was uh, very good, um, mm -hmm. but. Uh, well, depending on how you categorize it, four years, uh, but one year in particular, where he scored 100 points when it was relatively hard to do so. Um, and so, you know, there's a there's a I guess a case to be made that he is, depending on you know how exclusive you want your Hall of Fame, he might he might make the cut. So, yeah, we figure it's good to talk about him. And he also, you know, he's he's you know he's 1,200 plus games, he, 400 goals isn't 444 goals, you know, whatever. 1157 points is good but he played in you know he played in a low scoring era 1157 mm -hmm. points in in 1246 games um it's it's uh anyway well let's let's talk about it. so the first up is the draft yeah as usual as usual our wonderful draft and uh he is at least by points uh the best player um hands down uh but that uh, that Depends, right? Because like, the thing is, uh, one of the things is at least I, I, you often look at Wikipedia. I look at Hockey Reference. Hockey Reference, you cannot sort by points per game. Yes, you sort by points. Um, but I'll tell you why I, I use the Wikipedia one too. It's because it highlights the guys. Yeah, so you can immediately tell who was a Hall of Famer, All Star, etc. So like, the, the names jump out. That's why. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I sort of get that. I just sort by games played or points, right? Because yeah. you get like. Because that that's a pretty good way of figuring it out, um, unless we're talking about someone who played a, like so so little, like Forsberg or something. But yeah, it, so I mean, this basically just admitting that I'm much lazier than you are. <laughs> well, here's the thing: so this, this draft was actually like pretty good. Yeah, it's um, a great draft. Even, even yeah. though Alfredson was drafted 133rd overall and is by some metrics the best player. Yeah, it's deep um, because if you sort by points, this is the mm -hmm. list: Alfredson. Eliash, Ryan Smith, Hey Duke, Steve Sullivan, Chris Drury, 
Thomas Holmstrom, Jeff Friesen, Ed Jovanovsky, Radek Bonk, Jeff O'Neill, Frederick Modine, Richard Zednick, Matthias Oland, Oleg Tevardowski, Sheldon Surrey. Like, that's yeah. a lot. And I'm not even mentioning Ethan Morrow, Sergey Berezin, Kim Janssen, Dave Scatcher, Richard Park. Like, there's a lot of serviceable NHL players oh, yeah. in this and good goalies too. Uh, Theodore got drafted. Turco got drafted. Um, I, I'm not Vokun, a Vokun, Tim Thomas. When we get to whenever we find our way to uh, goalies in the yeah. distant future, I am I'm going to argue. I think fairly strenuously that Thomas Vokun is at least maybe not worthy of the Hall of Fame, but deserving a way more consideration than he's gotten. Oh, he was a, he was a really good goalie. Yeah, one of the Just better terrible teams, right? Well, I mean, and since we're talking, I was just about to say about Josie Theodore, you know, he was, he had that one or two like really elite seasons, but I never trusted him because I never trust a right-handed goalie, like the guy who catches, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he let in that terrible goal during the world championships one year, like I couldn't believe it went in. Yeah. So ever since then, I sort of thought he, he might've fluked out of it, but he, every once in a while you get a goalie who just goals out of his mind for one year and he's just in the zone like all year. And yeah. then some of those guys that's, you know, you get the elite guys like Roy and Hashik, and it's like, I don't know how he does it, but like he's when he clamps down, there's just no scoring on him. Yeah. Um, and then you get guys like Thomas and Theodore and, um, and Nabokov was always pretty solid, but there's Nabokov's guys pretty good. like they will be a good goalie and then have one year where they are unbeatably good. And yeah. so, um, I, I feel like Theodore and, uh, and Tim Thomas and those guys sort of fall into that category. It's like, if they had ever maintained that type of play for multiple years, they'd be in the hall of fame for sure. Yeah. But they were just mostly good. And then were great very briefly. Yeah. Um, well, like, yeah like, draft. Nabokov, like not to get too sidetracked with the goalies, but like Nabokov, I think would often would among a lot of people get more consideration than someone like Thomas is obviously a consideration because of, those, because those of the two cup. years, yeah, the yeah cup. Those two years where he just went gold out of yeah. his mind, but it's he almost like amazing. it's almost like the rest of the year, the, the rest of the league couldn't figure him out. Yeah, like just like what is it? And it's honestly he had really no styles. So he didn't know what the hell. Kind of like Hashik, you're like I don't know what he's gonna do. Yeah. And then it's sort of it's almost like they, he'd make that one save where it's like how the hell did he stop that? Yeah. And then it would get in everyone's head. They're like I better pick posting in, and they'd just be missing the net or yeah. hitting him in the helmet, and it's just like just gets into your head or. Maybe he just had that groove where he just, since he had no sort of, you know, like a guy like Price or Roy is like the, you know, standard butterfly, like yeah. very structured, minimal movement, just get in the way, controlled sort of goalie. Whereas the wild mm -hmm. ones are when they're really feeling it, it's like, yeah, there's no stopping this guy right now. Like he just, he's in that zone and like just nothing is going to, it's like he has a force field up yeah. and it's, it happens every once in a while, you know? Yeah. But like, I mean, Thomas, like, I think you can, you can make a, just because of the, those few years when he was just like lights out and for whatever reason, like, you know, like you said, a lot of it was people who just couldn't figure him out. Uh, and then I think his athleticism sort of went and, you know, anyway, but like the thing is, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more people think about Nabokov or Nabokov or however we want to call it. Um, because, you know, he had more wins and had those great years in San Jose, but like yeah. Thomas Vokun, um, has a way better, like, well, career. It's 0. 0.6, uh, like, um, you know, 0. Uh, six thousandth save percentage better than Nabokov, but he has 50 something wins less. Wow. And the reason is because he just had terrible luck, <laughs> you know, yeah. he wasn't on a good team until he was old and couldn't do anything. And, yeah. and not to like talk about too much, but I just like it, like when we get to goalies, like he's one I'm really interested in talking about just cause like, he was great, but he was on such shitty teams. He never, yeah. he's like, he's like a pitcher who never had any run support, you know? 
Yeah, well, right. and he's he's he was a Canadian's draft pick, so he ended up um, he ended up playing his first game with the Habs. I remember, and I remember him getting shelled. They threw him in against like some great team. He just got absolutely shelled in the first period, and they pulled him. I think he let in like, I think it was four. It might have been six in like the first period, and then they yanked him. I'm like, that's gonna hurt his overall career yeah. stats pretty badly. <laughs> um, never what it, and, and then they he never played again for the Habs. They ended up getting traded, and then Oops. you know a few years later, when he was a good goalie, they're like. Ah, we kind of we didn't really handle that guy very well, did we? <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Well, it got, um, it got glossed over because they had Theodore, and then yeah, yeah, the price, and they had Halak. So the, Montreal always has a good goalie coming somewhere. <clears throat> so um, somehow, uh, seven thousand game players from this draft. Wow. Um, and uh, you know, like the only other one in the list who's a borderline Hall of Famer. I, I mean, I don't know if any of them are. I mean, I think you could like maybe argue. I think you could make a case, and I'm not. I'm not making this case, but you yeah. could argue that Ryan Smith and Thomas Holmstrom belong in like a special wing of like guys who changed the game in terms of how much in front of the net. You know. Yeah. I feel like Thomas Holmstrom in particular, but both of those guys, they really like they 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 brought tipping into yeah. such more like a more fundamental role than it had ever been before. Well, yeah, I think you could like build a plaque about like the guys who like added, like directed, you know, tipped shots mm -hmm. became more of a big deal and getting in the way of the goalie. Like that was the thing Yeah, in a way with that their numbers wouldn't necessarily support, especially Holmstrom who has like only 240 goals. Yeah. And I, I think what's, what's interesting about those guys too, is like people who watch, you know, people who've only watched hockey from, let's say, the the 2005 lockout forward kind of don't realize how big of a deal tipping was back then because yeah. i'd say from 98 to 2004 it was one of the only ways you could score a damn goal because it was there's so like it was always point shots and oh we tipped it in like how the yeah. hell did that go in and you're just yeah. like yeah it's the only way we can score because you let people tackle each other in front of the net yeah. <laughs> but doesn't get tipped he's gonna stop it his goaltending equipment is so big we can't even see the net behind him I'm sure Ryan Smith did this too. I don't know for sure, but I've definitely seen something way back when where like Holmstrom, someone was talking about how Holmstrom just like all he did sometimes was just practice tipping. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that, oh, yeah. his, his practice was just like stand there and like direct pucks. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the guys, the guys who were good at it, it's unbelievable how like just this little depth Sorry. touch of the puck and it like some of them like legitimately a slap shot that's going, let's say you know, for argument's sake, let's say 90 miles an hour and the guy will tip it downward. So it bounces like five hole between a goalie's legs. And you're like, how the hell did you do that? It's like, it's like harder than even like bunting when, you know, the pitchers yeah. throwing like 95 miles an hour. It's like to, to put it exactly where you want it to go and to make the puck do what you want it to do is like, just what a skill to have. And it's so difficult. Yeah. And, and the guys who are great at it, they can tip it up. They can tip it down left, right. Like it's, they're phenomenal at it. And there's those guys in particular, I think were, and Holmstrom revolutionized things where he was smart enough too that he, he would always park himself right outside of the blue paint to not get goalie interference. Like yeah. he'd legitimately take a second, look down at where his skates were, be like, yep, I'm just outside the blue paint. I'm not yeah. moving. Yeah. So <laughs> and the, then just dare guys to move him. And guys would just, I'm that guy must've been so bruised over his career. Yeah, yeah. All of the cross checking in front. <laughs> so, also, the other thing is I screwed up there. I said the only possible Hall of Famers and said Ryan Smith and Thomas Holmstrom for that reason yes. rather than their careers. 
but Patrick Eliash has a case. And he sorry, yeah. Devils fans, I didn't mean to. I think at some yes. point we will talk about his case, but I think he is pretty clear. Like Alfredson's second in games played, but he's first in points. He's first in points by like over a hundred. He's wow. first in assists by nearly a hundred, and he's first in goals by uh, thirty uh, something. So, um, like he's, you know. He's hands down. I think there's not much of a, like you know like we can all they, these guy these other guys had uh, good careers mm-hmm. you know and there's a lot it's a very deep draft but I think it's safe to say that uh, Alfredson is the best player which is hilarious because he was drafted 133rd yes but it, it's um, one of those drafts right because Steve Sullivan yeah. was drafted 233rd and Holmstrom was drafted 257th yeah there's a now- lot of deep there's a lot of players who came from the later rounds in this one. Uh, Hayes Duke was pretty. It was pretty late too for how great he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Second, second or third um, round, and Elias was second. Yeah. Um, so he, he had a little period there with Milan Hayduk where he was one of the best wingers in the NHL. Mm-hmm. When he was on that line with uh, Forsberg and Tange, yeah. they were like yeah. so damn good. Yeah. Um, well, that's that what I mean. Start of his career, he really trailed off towards the end. Well, that's what I mean. There's guys here who had like periods, you know, mm-hmm. where they were very, very solid. And some yeah. guys were just consistently good, but like, you know, like, like for example, I remember, you know, Chris Drury, like, I think once you win the Calder, yeah, your expectations kind of get crazy. But like yeah. Chris Drury was like, you know, you sort of thought of him; he's going to be a very good player, and he ended up being like okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at his num- career numbers, you're like, really, he only scored six hundred points? Like, yeah. Chris Drury, really? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, or like Jeff O'Neill, he scored like 40 goals that one year, right? Yeah. Like there's guys who had like some really, like some peaks. Je- Jeff you, O'Neill was a, was a damn good hockey player. Yeah. Like, he was, I, I want to say he, a little bit though. there was a little period there where I used to think of him as like a poor man's Brendan Shanahan. Yeah. Um, he was tough. He could score goals. He could really shoot the puck. He was a very good player, and he's really good on the radio now too. To give him an extra compliment, <laughs> uh, he's also on TSN, and uh, he has swollen. Oh yeah, as, well, as, ma- as many players do. Well, yeah, because they're yeah. big guys, and then you know they work. Yeah. They, they eat the way that athletes eat, and then yeah. uh, if you stop working out twenty four seven, that's what happens. Yeah. It's uh, it's what happens in the NFL too for the uh, for the linemen. Some of them. Their entire careers have had to like intentionally eat themselves into that body to have enough yeah. mass. So the yeah. minute they retire, they shrink, like Michael Strahan did, or they've always eaten that way their entire life. But now they've stopped working out, and they just like that. That guy weighs like four hundred fifty pounds. <laughs> what happened to that guy? Like, dude, he, that's the way he's always eaten his entire life. Just that he was working out, yeah, like, like a crazy pace. I see Shanahan, and I think like you must still exercise like crazy because you yeah. don't. You look like just older. Possibly, yeah, he, he also just may have been a very like some of the guys in the NHL. I feel like are um, they're sort of like, you know, they're not they're not necessarily foodies. Like they're big nutrition yeah. guys, and and a guy yeah. like Shanahan played so long, uh, or a guy yeah. like Gary Roberts. You know, they're so yeah. in tune with the nutrition stuff that maybe that's just their lifestyle. But then a guy who likes Absolutely. to drink a bottle of wine every night when he has dinner and eat like you know phenomenal like these great you know eat, you have enough money to go out to like great restaurants all the time it's like yeah. if you're not working out a lot and instead you're flying around on a plane from place to place you're definitely going to put on some weight there's no way yeah. you're not absolutely so uh yeah i think there's no question alfredson is the best player in the 94 draft 
I, I would I, say so. Yeah, uh, Patrick Eliash being the only competition, and I mean, you could you could argue. I mean, well, they played. Some on... people might argue Jovo, but he really trailed off towards the end. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Jovo's. I think he was the best defenseman in the draft, even though Oland might have been better defensively. Um, yeah. yeah. O- Oland. To be fair to Oland too, because he he played. He ended up playing nine hundred games, and you said like how many guys played a thousand. If he didn't have that eye injury, I think he would have played a thousand pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not a great defenseman draft. It isn't, no. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I think you could argue that Jovo is the best. Um, I mean, I I'm, I'm, I would lean towards Oland, um, even though Joe Dawson. That's a pure defenseman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, and I'm not saying this, but Bryce Salvador, the year the Devils went to the final in 2012. Yes, played out. was, like, yeah. incredible. And I was like, aren't you Bryce Salvador? Like what yep. the f- what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tverdovsky was pretty good too. Yeah, Tverdovsky. Yeah, definitely had some. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean it's a it's a very very solid draft. Yeah. Um. So that puts uh, Albertson is one of the five or six or seven best players in his uh in his uh, in his era. Um. Sixty six players played a thousand games between ninety five and twenty fourteen, and he's. Fifth in goals, fourth in assists, uh, fifth in points. So he's a uh, top five ish. And um, if you do it per game, he's seventh in goals per game. But he's like still, uh, he's fourth in points per game. So he's a top five player. And um, you know, that's. I mean, we've definitely talked about how we. I think we both sort of feel like that's a pretty strong recommendation, right? Like you're a top five offensive player in an era. You're probably deserving. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, his 82 game average is 76 points, which doesn't sound great. Um, it gets better when you adjust for error. It goes all the way up to 83. Hmm. So a point per game um, when you adjust for error, which is, um, you know, again, recommends that he might belong. Um, I'm really, I mean, we'll we'll get to it at the end, but I'm, I'm yeah. very on the fence uh, myself. Um so uh, he did win the odd award. He won the Calder, um, which must have been a surprise to everybody who passed on him. The the hundred and thirty two <laughs> times that he got passed over, uh, and he won the King Clancy, which we don't really care about for uh, Hall of Fame stuff. But he was also top five in a hard voting that year. He scored hundred points, which I believe is oh seven. No, oh six. Sorry, oh six. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, um, hockey reference ranks him as a, uh, a top four, a top five offensive player, four separate seasons. So all of which, when he was older, funnily enough, he's one of those guys who, um, very much improved either like he got better as he got older, mm-hmm. um, or he, it was, he's, he's sort of like this exception, right? Like he's one of these exceptions that we look at. He played for a long time until he was 41, but he also, like, it took him a while. You know, his first season wasn't until he was 23, and he really, I mean, his best year came at age 33. And I feel like that's, I think that's a, that's um, a thing I've always thought about when Swedes come in. Mm-hmm. They sort of, I think it's just, you know, the way that we build our athletes in North America. We get them in the gym at a very young age, and I feel like yeah. in Sweden, they just go out and they play hockey. Yeah. So they're not really... They haven't built an NHL body necessarily by the time they get drafted. Yeah. 
then they go play in the Swedish elite league for a couple of years. You start to build up to like an NHL body, you know, fully, you know, sort of fill into their man body from, you yeah. know, being like a, you know, a kid who's 18, 17 or 18. And then when they're in their early to mid twenties, then they start to start to become the player that they will be for their careers. Same thing happened with the Sedins. I remember Forsberg not being, you know, lights out right away. And then yeah. like, Whoa, look at that guy. Like, I think you're absolutely like right. Yeah, yeah there, there's it is a it is a trend for sure, and I mean maybe that may be changing now because everyone's so much more aware of nutrition and fitness and things. But mm -hmm. like, Alfredson's best er years came in his thirties. Yeah, and not just like when he turned thirty; like they came in his early to mid thirties. Like he yeah. he scored um, you know <laughs> one stretch thir between thirty three and thirty five. He scored one hundred and three, and then eighty seven and eighty nine. And like, yes, the league had opened up a little bit, but like. Yeah, you know he 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 was also in relative to the league he was also having better years right like yeah um two of his four best seasons relative to the league came um came uh post lockout yeah. um, when the league had expanded it but he was also in his 30s um so he you know i mean that that's i think you're absolutely right about that i think there's definitely it's it's maybe not as like there just maybe wasn't as much emphasis on uh, fitness or related factors when he was growing up. And then it took him a while to adjust. I mean, he was still a good offensive player. He just was yeah. not, you know, he was um, that year. Uh, he scored a hundred points. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was fourth in scoring and he was 33 years old. Like that's, yeah. that's like, obviously 103 points is not 127, but that's like Doug Gilmore. Yeah. Right. Like Doug Gilmore had his best season when he was like 32 or 33 years old, which makes it, or Adam Oates too. Now that particular season was a season that everyone had their best season, but yes. it's one of these things where it's weird that he's got some of these guys come in and like, you know, they're yeah. decent and then suddenly they're like, they're really good. Yeah. A, a, a fair point might be also <clears throat> um, that back in those days too, you had to be so physically strong to fight off the other guys. And then like yeah. in your early thirties is sort of when you hit your peak of like, you know, um, like male strength is typically between 30 and 40 is when you're actually your strongest. Um, so I feel like the way the game used to be played, that might've been more of yeah. a factor. Fair. Whereas like yeah. speed is such a factor now that lose like back then losing a half a step, but you were much, much stronger. It was like, Oh, you're probably actually even better because the skating doesn't matter as much. And now it's just all skating. So, you know, the younger guys are flying around scoring <clears throat> tons of goals. And you're like, by the time he's 30, he's useless because he can't keep up yeah. because the strength doesn't matter as much as it used to. That yeah. could be a thing. And also, <clears throat> and Gilmore and those guys, the years where they <clears throat> sort of had those great years, I think less in Gilmore's case because he used to be on the Flames. But um, when, uh, you know, Alfredson sort of hit his peak, it was when the Senators were dominant too. Like yeah. they were far and away the best team in the NHL. They never won the cup, but like they yeah. came pretty close almost every year. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, like that's, that's absolutely true. Like he also, he benefited from, you know, he was, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to Dan Healy. Um, he's an interesting case, right? Cause he's one yeah. of those guys who was like amazing and then nothing very yeah. quickly. Right. Like, like yeah. went from like scoring 40 or 50, like 40 goals at least every year to like, being out of the NHL like four years later or three years yeah. later or something like that. Um, but like Danny Healy was obviously in his prime and then Jason Spezza was, you know, younger 
than those guys, but like was also very, very good. And yeah, he was, he also, I mean, Alfredson had played with good players for a good chunk of his career. Yeah. Um, until the very end, but like he, he, he did like, there was something about that Spezza Heatley line that like worked yeah. better for him than like when he was playing with Hosa, who I think you and I would both say overall talent wise was probably a better you know, yeah. more com- a more complete hockey player certainly than Danny Heatley or Jason Spezza. Yeah. Um, but like for whatever reason, it worked better. And and some of that, like you say, could just be something to do with Albertson just becoming stronger, and and you know, and 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 more mature and all that stuff. And you know, just or sometimes there's just a line that's just like it clicks. <clears throat> yeah. The it's more than the sum of its parts sort of thing, you know? Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. So he he did only have one year that was really, really elite, which is 2006, where he was top five in points and points per game. Um, and, and that's – so that one knock against him, his case for sure, is that he basically – like you can totally – you know, sometimes people throw out that one good year against players who are in the Hall of Fame or not. And like it's totally bullshit. Like you would you go look up the stats, and they had three or four, and you're like, well, "What are you talking about? One good year? The, the thing about the best one, like that for not to keep bringing up Doug Gilmore, but like uh, our mutual friend of ours used to say to me, like Gilmore doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. He had one good year. And I'm like, what? No, he had at least 300 point seasons. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, you know, he had at least two good years relative to the league. Like the one is like I don't know what you're talking about. Alfredson legitimately had one year where he was among the very elite. I mean, he had four very good ones, but like one where he was like absolutely great, one of the best players in the league. Yeah. Um, so that's you know a bit of a knock, and and for some reason uh, he was only voted uh, second team All Star that year. Wow. Um, so I don't know who was. Uh, I didn't look up who was on the. Uh, I should look up who made it yeah. ahead of him. Oh my god! The hockey reference. First team, second team, all star thing is a bit of a mess. Uh, oh, um, right wing is Yager. So that's uh, fair. That's, I was about to guess that actually. Yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. That's that's a good call, voters. You were correct about that. I think that year, that was the year he scored a lot. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so I think this conversation is very different. If the centers win in 07, I think so too. Yeah. I think if he's, if, if the centers win in 07, I think Albertson is in the hall because I think he probably wins the con Smythe. I think so um, too. Yeah. He's the best player. And right yeah. And uh, that, like, that just completely changes everything. Like, he led the playoffs in goals and points, um, despite the fact that they lost, I believe, in five games in the final. Was it five yeah, or five, six? Yeah. yeah. Five. I and listen, I'm a Leafs fan. I am not allowed to like Alverson or the Senators. It's apparently a rule. I really, I remember, you know, this is like our second post lockout year, and I remember getting so pissed off. Now, listen, I still think the Ducks were the better team. They had two incredible defensemen, as you, as you called them, Prongmeyer. Yeah. They were very good, but I remember getting absolutely livid about some of the calls. Oh my or god, lack of calls. I mean. Um, and and just generally feeling as though Ottawa got kind of shortchanged um, by the refs in that final. Now, 
does that mean I think they would have won if the it had been called better? Probably not. They they lost in five games. I think yeah. it might have been like a seven game series or a six game series instead of five. But like I do remember, and I don't remember a specific call now because frankly it's been almost twelve well, years. Well, Pronger but, did get suspended for he elbowed yeah. somebody in the head. I can't remember who it was, but I was living in Japan at the time. As yeah. one good excuse as to why I did not watch every game. <laughs> well, I watched it. Uh, I have no memory. Yeah. Um, but I do remember just being like livid. Even though I'm supposed to hate the senators, I was just like, like I couldn't believe the number of times that like some some player on the senators would get like speared or something, and they're just like everything's you know or, or hooked and like everything's fine. And I was like, we're, aren't we supposed to be playing this like wide open hockey now? Yeah, well, that was um, if you look back at that one. Actually, I was reading an article the other day on uh, the Athletic that was talking about you know the best best game I ever covered, and they had reporters talking about the best whichever game it was that they had yeah. covered and they thought that was the best one. And there was one guy talking about um, the Ducks and Canucks playing game five in their series. Yeah. And, uh, and Vancouver got eliminated and Luongo made, I think it was 63 saves that night. Jesus. Uh, they went into the second overtime, but still. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and when the set, when the, I think it was the first overtime started, Luongo wasn't in the net. It was Danny Sabarin and he had to make like five saves. Cause oh, yeah. Luongo, Luongo had like a like a gastro. <laughs> he, had, he had to take off all his goalie stuff to go take a poop, <laughs> and, and so and like they're like, please just like delay the start of the overtime period. He'll be right back. And the refs like, nope, gotta drop the puck. So oh, they God. threw in the backup, and then Luongo came back in, kept playing amazing. Uh, he was the whole team back then. Like they, there's, yeah. they made the second round that year. They beat Dallas in round one. And uh, yeah. Marty, Marty Turco was the other goalie. He had three shutouts and lost the series. <laughs> That's Jesus. how ridiculous it was. Um, yeah. So they were getting outshot like crazy by the Ducks. And uh, just just to your point about the Ducks playing pretty dirty playoff hockey that year, Yannick Hansen gets absolutely annihilated along the boards with like an elbow to the head. And yeah. so Luongo turns to the ref and starts saying like, hey, are you kidding me? You're not calling that? And while he's doing that, Niedermeyer, I guess, saw that he was talking to the ref and just shot the puck and it like, floats into the net. And you're like, oh, and it's a very Canuck way to lose a game. But you're yeah, just like, yeah. like you didn't call it. And then they get eliminated. It's like, yeah. come on. That's but, awful. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, but the, the Ducks were a steamroller that year because they could play, they could play sort of, you know, chippy and dirty and stuff. And they're like, yeah. we're good enough defensively that. You're probably not going to score on us, even if we do take a penalty. So we're going to just play this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I oh, I, I had something else to say about that, that series, I think, but like, I've totally lost what it was. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I, I mean, you know, and like all power to them, right? Like, if you can play, if you can do that and get away with it, you should, right? Yeah. Like, you shouldn't. Uh, but I was just more frustrated because I felt like I'm not necessarily the senators of the better team, but the, the, the whole thing would have been more fun yeah. um, if I hadn't been like mad at the refs for the entire series. And, and I, I really, I, I mean, I don't, I don't watch hockey as much as I used to actually, I just remembered what I was going to say, but I'll, I'll save it for a minute. Um, <laughs> but when I used to, like when I was obsessive and watching like every Leafs game and all basically all the playoff games, I, I do feel like both 2007 and 2011 stick out for me where I was just like in the finals where I was like, come on, like you call a lot of stuff during the regular season that you're just like, Oh, it's more important. So I got to not call like pay attention to the rules yeah. now. Like, but that's always struck me. 
the putting the whistles away because it's important strikes me as like literally the opposite of what you should do. It's important. Therefore, you should actually call what you've been doing before because people, you know, everyone's expectations are built up on on what happened during the regular season in terms not just the, the fans, but the players, right? Everybody knows what's been called. So to, to suddenly decide that like because it's game seven or because it's the playoffs, you shouldn't call what you were calling in the regular season. Like oh, absolutely. It makes me crazy. And uh, listen, some some of the stuff they call like I I mean not to get too sidetracked, but like I get annoyed with slashes directly to sticks. Like to me, yeah. you should be allowed to hack a guy's stick out of his hands if you don't touch his body. Like I think that should be okay. Yeah, they call that all the time, and it makes me insane when that's a penalty. I'm like, no, that's okay. It's yeah. when you're trying to hurt someone is the problem. And but I just, regardless of what they do, I get upset about it. But I just wanted to be called consistently. So if you are going to say like, don't knock the stick out of the hands, well, just don't ever knock the stick out of the hands. Period. Exactly. You yeah. know, even if it's game seven, like just don't. And and I just, I can't pick a specific moment. I just remember watching that that duck centers final. And I was like, there were so many times where like, that was a penalty in the regular season. That was a penalty in the regular season. Come yeah. on guys. Oh yeah. I, I think it happens almost every playoffs. The, the final is typically officiated in a very different way than the yeah. rest of the, even than the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, now to the defense of the ducks, it, yeah. I'm just, I just pulled up the, the box scores and it sure looks like, I don't remember this, but it sure looks like the, uh, the centers gave up in that final game because the final score is six, two. There you go. So, um, yeah, and I mean, like, I just, I just, you know, I think it would have been a better series, regardless. I think still, Alfredson has, you know, Alfredson was the best player on that centers team. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say. I don't think Emery didn't have the greatest playoffs that year. Yeah. And even though he had the same number of points as as Spets and Heatley, you know, he scored way more goals than either of them. Um, which of course helped Spets and Heatley's stats. So the other thing is that um, shockingly, at least by points, he was the best player um, on that famous Swedish team that won gold in 2006, which Mats was also on. Yeah. He scored more points than anyone else, which uh, is uh, an argument again in favor of him being in the Hall of Fame. Um, that team was very good, though. I mean, they were loaded. Yeah. Memory serves. Like, don't remember Forsberg, I think, was on it for sure. Sedins were on it. Um, Lidstrom, um, probably Holmstrom. Um, I don't remember exactly who was on it, but they were a very good team. And of course, Canada sent its uh, its stupid team. That was a year <laughs> that I've still never forgiven Gretzky. That was the year Gretzky was coaching and they made him like GM of Team Canada. And so he just like picked the guys who played well against the Coyotes. Yep. And you're like, and you, I remember like, I was so livid. I was so pissed off. I actually wrote a blog post, which was like comparing like every other nation's Olympic team in terms of where they finished in the standings or where they were sitting in the standings in the NHL in terms of points scored um, and, and points per game and stuff like that with Canada's and Canada had like two guys who were in the top 10, <laughs> even yeah. though it was Canada. And, and that was a year they, they, like he refused to put Crosby on it because Crosby hadn't earned it yet. Like oh my god, it was so it was so ridiculous. Yeah, I remember I was I was living in Japan for that one, and everybody was 
where I didn't even get a chance to watch it. Like the, the local bar owners, like, Oh, they're totally going to show all the Olympic games. Cause it's the Olympics. Like it's the only time we will show hockey. So we were all excited and they didn't even make the semifinals. So I didn't get yeah. to watch any games. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> you guys, yeah. What a bad team. Yeah, no, it was. It made no. It made. And the other thing was like it was. It was very much the two thousand four World Cup team too, right? Yeah, and like exactly. Water, and, and, and but those guys were two years older, and it's yeah, like exactly. And they they were just not the same players, especially in terms of like uh, the Lightning guys, and and uh, yeah. you know they just weren't as good. And it was just like this is why you don't make someone who has a current job. Yeah. Like, your GM has to be someone who can like spend time scouting and not just like a guy who's busy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, apparently, I'm very ranty today. <laughs> and and so one other thing is that uh, during the lockout, uh, Alfredson um, was the best player or best forward rather on a uh, um, a team that won uh, the Swedish Elite League. Yes. Championship. So, do you have any idea what to do with him? Um, I've been flip flopping on it. Um. He was a very, very good player. Yeah. If it were my Hall of Fame, he wouldn't have a chance just because I reserve I would reserve my own personal Hall of Fame for only the elite. Um, and I never I never ever thought that he was one of the three or four best players in the league. Even sure. though, you know, there was a couple of seasons where you could argue statistically, yes, there were a yeah. lot of guys I would have taken over him. Yeah. Uh, so to me, he wouldn't get in, but given the people that are in the hall already, yeah. I think he has a yeah, I think he has a solid case that eventually yeah. he might get in. Um, yeah, I feel like if he had won the cup, I think I think the hall actually would put him in. So I agree with that completely. Yeah, and you know, given given how good he, he has, really good playoff stats too for that era. Um, Oh, I didn't mention those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred points in 124 playoff games in those days—that yeah. is something else. And he's got a couple of great iconic moments too. Um, yeah. It's it's actually a good segue over to Matt's. But uh, the, you know, they used to have those epic series at Toronto. Yeah. First, there was the one where he boarded Darcy Tucker. There was no call <laughs> because it was Tucker, and yeah. then he scored while Tucker was lying on the ice. It was yeah, like, yeah. wow! I'm like, if that happened to my team, I would be. And then, of course, they blew it because they're the Senators. That is but... Exhibit A as to why everyone in Toronto hates Daniel Alverson. That's Exhibit A as to why I kind of secretly love him because I hated Tucker so much. Yeah, um, fair enough. But it was it was a, like no doubt a definite penalty, and you're yeah. like. Nah, it's Tucker. We're not calling. And then he scores while he's still lying on the ice. I'm like, oh my god, if that happened to my team, I'd be so mad. <laughs> and then, and then, of course, they blew it because that's what the Senators do. They they went to seven and they lost. Yeah. Um, and they were obviously a better team, I thought. Anyways, um, yeah, there were so many years. Ujo, in particular, bailed yes. out the Leafs oh, against absolutely. the Sens. Yeah, like where you just be like the the Senators were just like running circles around the Leafs, and the Leafs would win. Sometimes yeah. in even less than seven games, and you're like, "How is this possible?" And like so because much, they of had it. guys like Tom Barrasso and uh, past yeah. his prime, and uh, yeah. and uh, Patrick Laleme and that's you know, like what, yeah, what yeah. you expect was going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and then and then the other the other super iconic moment that people remember, which is the transition to Matt's, was uh, the game where Sundin threw a stick in the crowd after it broke, and he was oh, just yeah, frustrated. yeah. And yeah. then Alfredson faked like he was going to do yeah, it, but yeah. then didn't. And everybody's like, oh, you cheeky bugger, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, he definitely had a sense of humor. He also yeah. once, at least once, uh, did an interview in a full Canadian tuxedo. 
<laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. And I think like made my brother hate him even more, which yeah. is funny. <laughs> like, you can't wear all denim. <laughs> yes, you can. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, I, I mean, I'm very much of the same opinion. I think he does not belong in um in a if we redid the Hall of Fame from scratch. Yeah. And we pulled like a I mean, I don't know if I should reference this or not, but like um Bill Simmons, who I have a, a let's call it a hate love hate relationship with. It's not even love hate because I generally really dislike him, but I, I read his book about basketball years ago and one of the things he introduces in it, which I enjoy, is this idea of a pyramid of like tiers. Yeah. In your Hall of Fame, right? Like you have your like, and you don't just elect people in the Hall of Fame, you elect them into the tier. But one of the things I really disagree with is he thinks it should be capped at 100 players, which means wow. you, you knock people out. Which yeah. Which doesn't make sense to me. It's idiotic. Like you should reward people and don't worry about it. Yeah. But I do like the tier thing. And I also like the, and I do, I sort of feel like, if you were to have tiers, he would not be anywhere near the top. And if you had an exclusive, like a hundred player Hall of Fame or something like that, or two hundred player Hall of Fame, I don't think you would be in. No, I don't think but so. I do think the precedent has been set by certain players mm-hmm. that we have mostly yet to talk about. But the odd one we have talked about, where I do think the standard is such that he belongs. Yeah, I I would not get in an argument with anybody who said he doesn't though. Like I'm not going to defend it, but I think the standard is like low enough that he, he probably gets in. I agree with you. Yeah, and I, I, I think he, you know, if you're going to put, you know, we were talking about the Sedins earlier and them getting into me, Alfredson's a pretty decent comparable to those players. And it's like, yeah, yeah he was really consistently good for at least a 10 year stretch yeah. of like putting up, you know, let's say top 10 in the league sort of numbers. It's yeah. like, yeah, I think that sort of consistency as you are a top 10-ish guy for that many years in a row without any really like, oh my God, what happened to him this year's seasons? Yeah. And, you know, he played a fairly physical style, um, was involved in a lot of, you know, important series, big moments, probably could have won a cup if it had been officiated a little differently or if Heatley hadn't been hurt in game one or if... um they ended up going with Emery, but I think the year before they had somebody who got hurt. The Senators did, or oh no, they had they traded Hashik away before. Yeah. Um, yeah, that might have been. Was that? Yeah, they traded him to this. They traded him to the Red Wings, didn't they? That yeah. year? Yeah. No, no, he, that was the year that he got hurt because uh, he went and played somewhere in like a. He went and played somewhere overseas or whatever, and he ended yeah. up getting hurt. But um, they did eventually they, move they, him, I believe, to the Red Wings, and then of course with the Red Wings, he he won. Yes, yeah, yeah, but maybe that was earlier than that. Maybe it already been earlier. Yeah, it might have been earlier. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not the biggest Sens fan, so I don't remember this yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, but well, neither. Yeah, am I. I mean, yeah, it, he, I think he's got a just barely case where it's like yeah. if somebody said no, he doesn't belong, I'd be like, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm yeah. not going to jump out, but I think if we're going to argue that the Sedins are probably going to get in and. His his numbers are pretty. Well, listen, you know, they might even be slightly better. So I mean, I, uh, I don't have a problem with him being in. Let's put it that way. Andrew Chuck, who yeah. has way more goals, played way longer. Yeah, never had a season from memory. I'm not actually looking this up, but from memory, where he was a top four player by points in the league, he was yeah. nowhere near that. You yeah. know, he was like his best year was 99, and it was in like 1993, which would have put him like 20 something. Mm-hmm. Um. 
and Andrzejczyk's in. And yeah. now Andrzejczyk has a special like thing where he's the all-time career leader in power play goals. So you kind of have to like, well, that's important. But yeah. there are players like that who are in. Yeah. Um, Dino Cicerelli, who we're eventually going to talk about at some point where we can be like, what the hell is he doing in there? Or, um, <laughs> you know, um, like some some favorite names of what the hell they were doing. Yeah. I haven't looked at his case, but Bernie Federko, players like <laughs> this, where you're like, you, you know, they haven't won a cup. They were never, they never led the league in anything. You know, they were just good for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and more than good, very good for a while. Yeah. Um, Alfredson, I think, based on those standards, belongs. And like you said, if someone wants to argue vociferously that he doesn't, that's fine. And I will say, sure, I agree. But like, I think the standard, the bar is low enough that I think he belongs. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think we're in agreement. As right. usual. <laughs> yeah, as, yeah, exactly. Like, we, we just no controversy. So um, now we get to a player who I have a very uh, a personal stake in, um, even though he was not my favorite player at the time, um, because that was Forsberg. But uh, this is Matt Sundin, who uh, is the league, or sorry, the league, the Leafs leader in points. Um, and as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, is among my favorite players. And I have, I, I mean, like you with the Sedins, I don't know how objective I can be about him. Um, That's what I'm using. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, um, it's worth noting that at least by total point totals, he is the best Swedish player ever. I. I fully admit that's not true. Lidstrom and Forsberg are better. No problem <laughs> saying that. Uh, for, uh, Forsberg in particular, but Lid, well, both of them are clearly better. Um, Lidstrom is a nice segue because they're in the same draft. And I think it's safe to say that Lidstrom is the best player in his draft, but Matt's might be the second best. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt's does have the most points in that draft, the most assists. Sorry, second most assists, most goals. Um, and you could also argue Fedorov, but we'll get yes. to that. Um, but one of the things that I or Pavel Bure. Oh yes, Bure. Yeah, Shit. yeah, that is a good point. Mm -hmm. That is. Uh, before we get there, though, one thing I do want to mention is that um, when he retired, this is not true anymore. But when he retired, he was twenty-first all-time in goals and twenty-fifth wow. all-time in points. So I haven't checked in terms of like now. I'm sure he's bumped out of the top 25 in points since then. But, you know, he did rack up quite a lot of, like he, to give some comparison, he has uh, over 100 more points, sorry, over 200 more points than, uh, almost 200 more points than uh, Alfredson. Yeah. And, uh, and they over played, They played largely in the same era too. So. Relatively similar eras, yeah, yeah. So like he did, he he really racked them up, despite the fact that, as we're going to talk about, he didn't necessarily have years where he was really dominant, um, except for maybe one. Uh, so the draft. Uh, Lidstrom is the clear favorite, but much like the 94 draft, this is a decent draft, though it's maybe not quite as deep as the 94 draft. It's still pretty deep, though. Yeah, it's not bad. There's, you know, there's three, three or four Hall of Famers in there, so... Yeah, and also like borderline, lots of guys who like you could argue about, like Bobby Holik in terms of yep. his two-way play, Bill Guerin, who's probably if he's not in the U.S. Hall of Fame, should be Fedorov, Chris Draper, who 
is not a Hall of Fame player, but has won some Selkies and at least one Selkie and was noted for his defensibilities. Uh, Adam Foot, very old school defenseman, but still. Uh, Mike Sillinger, journeyman, another journeyman, Dallas Drake. Patrick, your favorite, Patrick Breezewell. Oh, God. Patrice Breezewell. Oh, man. Yeah, if we're going to mention him, that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> there used to be an old joke. What's what's the difference between Shakutami and Patrice Brisbois? I don't know. What is it? Nothing. They'll both be minus 40 by Christmas. Yeah, that's a great joke. <laughs> that's a great joke. Um, Colzig's the best goalie, I think, safe to say. Though Urbe uh, had a really good year. One yeah, year. Ur- Ur- Urbe had a few really good years, actually. And Defoe had some okay. Yeah, he was all right. But not a lot of goalies. Um, no. Just those three, basically, of note. But uh, otherwise, I think like it's basically Lidstrom in terms of the best player. And then, like you said... Um, you could argue between Fedorov, Bury, and Sundin if you want yeah. to. Yeah, and, and that's very much, um, I think, what we're going to get into here is like Bury was, at his best, one of the best goal scorers in the history of the NHL. Absolutely. I mean, especially those years he scored 59, like one goal short of 60 in an era when like no one was scoring. Yeah. And he was playing on an awful Panthers team where it was legitimately, if he doesn't score tonight, we're definitely going to win. And like he still scored almost, you know, in in a good three quarters of the games. Yeah. No, it's just bonkers. And I think he'd already had like two knee surgeries by that point. too. So, I mean, yeah, no, Burry is incredible. And, and we, you know, and then the other thing about Fedorov, and then there's Fedorov, who was defensively responsible in addition to being able to score in a way that had not yet, you know, he was, he's like, this isn't fair to Fedorov, but like, you know, like proto Datsuk, right? Like in terms of like the ability to like take the puck away um, without uh, always getting called the, for something, you know, like he was very, he was able to like back check without like, just hammering people, at least in my mind. Yes, yeah. Well, it, it was really interesting too, though, because he did end up playing defense at one point. Yeah, uh, I believe it was Scotty Bowman kept putting him back on defense because he's yeah. like, "You need to learn how to not keep cheating out of this." <laughs> like he was, he basically bro- kind of like tried to break him of that. Yeah, and in doing so, made him a very good defensive player. Like he yeah. he helped his career a lot. Um, and if you look at his his NHL totals, they're not like. They don't jump off the page at you. Um, you know, he's almost a point of game player. He played during a, a, a lot of his career was during a clutch and grab era. Um, but he's like know, really similar in terms of totals to Alfredson, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. But he had some very elite ones where he yeah, played. Yeah, he had a better, better. I mean, he won a MVP. Yeah. But still, you know, like I, I, that's why I do think we need to have that Alfredson conversation at least. And even then I'd still squeak him in sort of thing because yeah. – but I, I, I would say that, like, I think that if you look at peaks for sure. Yes. Bure and Fedorov had better peaks than Matt's. Yeah. And the argument about Matt's is never going to be about his peak. It, no. It's going to come down to whether or not you accept that someone who was very good for a very long time mm-hmm. belongs. But I mean, also, like, I think, and this probably doesn't come across in the statistics, but if you watched hockey back then, in any of those years that Matt Sundin, if he would have been injured, the Toronto Maple Leafs do not even make the playoffs back then. Like they well, are awful. Yeah. Team. 
They were, I, they I were literally in a pack of like, you know, extra pieces that, you know, if they played with Sundin, they were great. And otherwise like, eh, you know, like past their prime, good players, you know, yeah. solid NHLers, but nobody who like, he never had that running mate where it's like, you know, like the, the NHL now is a lot about duos, right? Like you get like um, Gaudreau and Monaghan playing together or Sigane Ben or um, probably Bergeron Marchand before they ended up getting Pasternak. Like you, you end up with like a duo of guys who play together super well. And then you try to find them a winger that clicks with them, but is eh, kind of like an interchangeable part, you know, like the two Sedins. And then finally Burroughs was the only guy who clicked with them kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, you need somebody who matches their playing style. Almost. They don't really get the three great guys on a trio. And then they light it up. Sun- Sunday yeah. never even had a running mate. Really? Ser- Sergey Barrison is the best we ever yeah, played. Yeah. Well, I mean, eventually McGillney, but McGillney was old. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and 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 Gary Roberts, but Gary Roberts was old and was had recovered from his terrible like career-ending, like miraculously recovered from a career-ending injury, right? Like, yes, absolutely. The thing is, when Matt's, like you said, when Matt's got like borderline Hall of Fame players, they were old. Yeah, um, and the rest of the time it was Hoagland and yeah. uh, Barrison and and old Steve Thomas and like. People like that. Stumpy. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Darcy Tucker for a long time. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, but anyway, we're, we're going to get into more of that. Um, uh, there, there, I, I haven't found it. I'm sorry to say I didn't find it, but like there was at one point, like a meme way a long time ago, which is like Matt Sundin's wingers and their like point totals. <laughs> and, stuff. and it was just so, so depressing. Yeah. Um, so it, he, he was the guy who made the team go, but he was also like, he made everyone around him better. Like if yeah. you played with Sundin, you're probably going to score 20 or 30 goals. Cause he was that good. Well, yeah. Cause every era where it was really hard to score 20 or 30 goals. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, he did, he played for a long time. And because of that, the comparables are a lot different, right? Like, out, so what I usually do is like, if it's between a thousand and 1250 games, I just pick a thousand as a cutoff. So there are 66 players who played in, same amount of games as Alfredson over that period. But for Matt's 1,250 between 1990 and 2008, it's only nine players. But Matt's was like his top three in most offensive categories, mm-hmm. fourth in assists per game, second in points per game. Uh, so basically, second or third best player of those nine players. But I don't normally do this uh, for people. This is, a, this is kind of this is completely arbitrary, but it's the only way I can convey his particular uniqueness, which is, so this, this uh, and I get, I'm saying this ahead of time, it is entirely arbitrary. However, between 95 and 2008, um, Matt scored 72 points 12 times. Wow. Nobody else, not a single other player in the NHL did that. Wow. Yager didn't do that. Now Yager left by that point. Yes. But yeah. he did he had played most of those years prior to the lockout. He, he was there. <laughs> he had 11. Sakic had 9. Wow. Madano had 8. The point being, yes, Matt's was healthy, but if there's a case for him to be in the Hall of Fame, it's that that he Yeah, it's, it's he remarkable was. consistency at a very high level. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that and it's it's the same sort of case. I think I think we made the comparison before 
can't remember which player it was because it's been a while. <laughs> um, but I think we were we we're making that comparison, and I bounced out the one from uh, for Vladimir Guerrero um, from baseball. You know, to bring yeah. another sport into it. It's like for eleven straight years he hit you know, 300 with minimum 25 home runs. And I remember saying that and somebody goes, that's not that impressive. I'm like, the only other guy who's done it for that many seasons in a row is Lou Gehrig. So it's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you, just, you know what you're getting every season with that guy. If he's healthy, you can plug him in for those points, you know? And the real thing here would be, how do you, the real thing is like, it would, it what would really matter is his relation to the top scorers that year, right? Like if he was, constantly in the top 15 or something like that yeah and i don't off the top of my head i'm not sure um because 72 is a completely arbitrary number it it sounds not great but it was mostly that's mostly clutch and grab error yeah um i only picked it because it was the it was the one that i could do the uh the cutoff with yeah right because it was his lowest point total he had it in 2003 which by the way was a low scoring year oh, very um, <laughs> Yeah, but like the point being, like that was his lowest total, and he never managed below seventy-two points in all those years. And Sackick dropped below, and Yager dropped below, so and Madano dropped below, and Madano was like, in some ways, like a better defensively version of Mats, right? Like they never scored an absolute ton, but they um, they were consistent. But even like no one was just, basically the point is like for that period, no one was as consistent as Mats. The other players had better peaks. They also had valleys. On the other hand, I bet if you went by games, very few people were as healthy as he was either. He was That's very. True. He's he's a big man. Uh, how how tall is Sandin? Six foot four, six foot five. Uh, I think six four, six. Yeah, six five. You're right, six five. Yeah. Six, I mean, five. he's he was a big. He was. Uh, he, I think he played in the right era for how big he was and for his skill set and everything. But like, yeah. he was a guy that you could you couldn't bang him around and try to hurt him because yeah. he was than you usually um he could skate with fast players even though skating wasn't as important then as it is now uh he could out muscle you down low he could just sort of he could beat you in so many different ways he was a right-handed shot center he was pretty good at face-offs he was like a true legitimate number one center who could beat you in so many different ways uh he kind of reminds me as like uh, of getzlaff at his peak except he did it for like well over a decade of Like, legitimately, you could pencil him in every year, but like, oh, yeah, well, Sundin's going to get a point a game. Well, here's the thing. No matter who you play. The other thing is I made that cutoff at 95-96 because of the the work stoppage uh, Mm -hmm. in 94-95. If if that doesn't happen, we're talking about from 91 to 2008. Wow. So, I mean, come on. He had a point per game in in the 94-95. And before that, he had scored. Uh, we're talking seventy-two minimum seventy-two points between ninety-one and two thousand eight, with with the exception of uh, that one year. And yeah, that's only because count, so. But if you did a percentage of that, he's still there because he had a you know forty-seven points in forty-seven games. So wow. Um, so like for most of his career, yeah, he was reliable for um, a span of slightly below a point per game to slightly above a point per game with the exception of 1993 when he went absolutely apeshit. Yeah. Um, and which it, everyone did cause it was 1993. Exactly. And it's like, and then if you, so you, he's able to do that during the era when it's wide open and everybody was going apeshit and lots of people were a point a game, but then he's also able to do it when it becomes clutch and grab. And yeah. most people can't even come close to a point a game. He's the still second, doing it. And, and he's playing with shitty line mates. Like, I mean, how do you not season, want to put that guy in? His second best season was 97. 
um, which was getting clutch and grabby. And uh, I mean, Gilmore was still on the team, but Gilmore was starting to uh, Gilmore was hurt and he was starting yeah. to decline when the Clark came back, but the best, the best players on that. So, so like we said with Turgeon, yeah, that year, Matt's second best year, he had 34 more points than Doug Gilmore did. Wow. And then the next best player is Wendell Clark with 49 and Matt's had 94. Jeez. So he had nothing to work with. Yeah. He had 94 points that year. That was the year. Maybe that was the year bears and scored a 40 because like, what the hell was Matt's doing? Right. Like he had to give it to somebody. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I forgot to, we forgot to talk about Alfredson's Corsi. Funnily enough, Alfredson and Sundin have very similar uh, possession stats. Um, they're both positive players yeah. for the, the ends of their careers, but like Matt's, you know, we're talking about two years, whereas uh, Alfredson's slightly longer. Um, playoffs, uh, 82 points in 91 games. So, most consistency again, yeah. Um, and and much like Albertson, adjusting for error helps Matts uh, bumps him up to eighty six points per uh, eighty two game season. So he's already a point per he's literally a point per game. Yeah. Without adjusting for error, you adjust for error, he becomes above a point per game. Yeah. Um, I, I think he actually is. Oh no, he's, yeah, he's ever so slightly above point per game, even uh, even without that adjustment. Yeah. Like, by by three points. Fairly. Yeah, three points. Yeah. 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 So. Unlike Albertson, who never got traded, um, we have one trade to talk about and one non-trade to talk about. Uh, we won't really talk about the one trade. But one of the things that I find, I, I, I actually sent this to you, Bill. I don't know if you thought about it at all, but like um, a hypothetical was floated by someone at hockey's uh, hockey future history of hockey boards, which was I, I, they didn't necessarily suggest the hypothetical, but it suggested the hypothetical, which is what if uh the abs or the nordiques of the time had traded sakic or forsberg to the leafs instead of mats wow whose career would be better um like i think honestly any of those players going to the leafs their career you know sakic doesn't look as good well yeah because he doesn't win the cups probably yeah, but yeah, yeah. his individual numbers might have even gone up because he would have been like i'll just do it all myself well i don't know Cause, i mean cause I, I think I, so highly of sakic yeah uh and i think forsberg's numbers would probably be I don't know if they'd be as good, but See, I think, I think Forsberg be. is the guy who maybe wills them, wills these deadbeats better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, if if Matts couldn't get them over the top of the mountain, I just think they weren't well built. Yeah, no, game. no. I, I mean, I, I'm what I was more thinking is like, I don't think what I think, I wonder if Matt stays and Sackett or Forsberg leaves if yeah. the abs even win to. Oh, I think they do. Yeah, but the just, other thing is, does it really does it substantially harm Sackick or Forsberg's career? Yeah, from being on the Leafs, and I, I, I think it would, it would. But I, I could be wrong with it. I mean, I'm a Leafs fan, but like honestly, Matt's had no alignments. Yeah. Um, and and Sack. The other thing here's the thing that like I think not enough of us, at least in the past, before analytics came on, thought about, which is that like the advantage of someone like a Sackick Forsberg pairing is. One of those guys gets the team's not best defensive line, right? Exactly. Not best defensive pair. Yeah. And that helps. And you know who Matt's always saw? Always. The best defensive pair. Absolutely. Because even when McGillney was on the team, they were on the same line. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, 
it was it was one of those things where he was always always seeing anyway this let's get to the trade so he was 23 years old <laughs> he'd come off his best what would be the best season of his career the previous year or previous yeah. two years um and uh two years prior yeah and uh he was traded with garth butcher who was 31 and todd warner who was a prospect and a first round pick for Wendell Clark, um, every Maple Leafs favorite uh, fans' favorite player, uh, Savannah <laughs> Fave, and Landon Wilson, and a first rounder that turned into nobody. How did it turn into nobody? Oh, uh, they drafted somebody who never. Oh, the Nordiques drafted nobody. I, uh, I never heard of the guy. Uh, and he doesn't have a profile on hockey reference, which means he didn't play an NHL game. Man alive. Whereas the. Uh, the pick, the pick that um, was traded. Sorry, that, that's confusing. Actually, I wonder if Toronto got their pick back hmm. because, it's like, it says, Matt's traded to uh, to Quebec with Garth Butcher, Todd Warner, first round Philadelphia's first round pick from the Lindros trade, which became Nolan Baumgartner. Yeah, Wendell Clark, Lefave, Len Wilson. And Toronto's first round choice, so it's hmm. as though Toronto had previously traded away their pick and then got it back. Anyway, oh, okay. Regardless, that pick resulted in someone named Jeffrey Kielty, who neither of us have ever heard of. No, that's definitely true. So, this trade is really controversial among older Leafs fans who are idiots. Um, <laughs> so, to give you an example. But they come so close, Riley. <laughs> I was on I was on Hockey's Future his History of Hockey boards a while ago, and someone made a comment about this trade at some point. Um, and like someone like threw out this alternative history where like Wendell Clark is healthier and somehow is better than Matt Sunday. <laughs> which I don't know how to convey how stupid. That is, Wendell Clark was never healthy in his entire career. I think he played once. He never played a full season. He played one full season in 1987. One full season. He also um, rarely was a point per game player. In fact, once he was over a point per game in 1994, the year before he got traded. Which his value, like if you're the franchise, sell high, which they did. Right? They got mats for Wendell Clark essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to uh, like, not to uh, say bad things about Lefebvre, but like that yeah. was those are the main pieces. Like, this is a guy who scored seventy six players in uh, seventy six points in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, seventy six. That's his career. That's his best season of his career. Mm-hmm. And he's better than Mats if he'd just been healthy. Like, I know. As, as Bill, you know this. <laughs> I have this thing. Where if I meet a Leafs fan and I want to know whether I should talk to them about hockey or not, I ask them a question. And that question is, does Wendell Clark belong in the Hall of Fame? And if they say yes, then I should never, ever, ever talk to them about (laughs) hockey, ever. Because that is the incorrect answer. I don't care how much you liked him. He is not a Hall of Fame player. The guy has like, how many goals does he have? Like 200 and something career goals. It's just, it's, it's out of control. And I only I only react this way because I live in Toronto, and I know people, all of whom are older than me. I might point out, 
who have <laughs> these crazy, crazy ideas about him. You know, this guy, th this is Wendell Clark's career number. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, 330. 330. He played in the 80s. <laughs> he has 564 points in 793 games. He is a minus 130. Wow. This is not, not even borderline. He's, and I'm not trying to say that I didn't root for, I, I, I thought he was great when I was 12. But like, it's absurd that people think that the Leafs lost this deal. Like it's absurd. <laughs> it's so, and they're just, you're just an old man. If you think that, like you just don't, like you're not being rational and you're just like, oh, hitting, you know, like whatever. Like, I don't know. I just, it makes me insane. As you can tell, I'm starting to get incoherent. Um, yeah. I just, I know they're out there because I see them. I've, I've met them in person. I see them online. You're wrong. The least yeah. one. It's the, there's evidence. There's actual like evidence in addition to like, aside from your like gut feeling that like Wendell Clark might've been better had he been less injury prone. Like, cause the thing is the fact is he didn't, he wasn't even a point per game player, you know, and he played from like 87 to like, 2000 or something like that you know like he he had a good like seven years of like like the league going crazy offensively to like put up those point of game numbers that or plus you know like his his 93 year wasn't i mean i think he was hurt but like i mean you can't your your best season in your career is 76 points and it's it's pre-clutch and grab like you're not you don't belong in the hall of fame well i mean it's it's I mean, the thing is with Clark too, it's like, uh, it becomes romanticized, right? When your team goes on one of those cup runs, yeah, it it's just, it captures the imagination of the city, especially when people aren't expecting them to go that far. And that yeah. Leafs team was good, yeah. but I don't think anybody expected them to go and win the cup. And they were, they were sort of doing it on the, they were in the Western conference then, right? Yeah. So they were doing yeah. it on the West side, the Habs awesome. were making it on the East side. You were setting up a potential Leafs versus Habs Stanley cup yeah. final. Which, by the way, I think the Leafs would have won. I really and listen, thought that team was great. Um, I get all this. I know. I'm. I'm just. I'm just like. I'm just sort of explaining why anybody would think that. And I think in Vancouver, I was just watching uh, the Jerome McGinley retire uh, jersey retirement last night. Yeah. Um, and they brought out Craig Conroy, and people were going crazy, and Marty Jelena. And it's like, you know, there's got to be Flames fans out there like those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. But like, no, you love them. Because yeah. they were great during a time that you can't remember ever loving hockey that much. Yeah, you know, I. It, it would be like me making the argument that Trevor Linden should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I love Trevor Linden. I think he was spectacularly clutch. Um, he, you know, definitely is, you know, deserved to have his number retired in Vancouver. But he probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame unless, like, you know, how many other, you know, guys that I don't think were very good at hockey have to go in because his career numbers just. And Clark, I mean, heart and soul guy, meat and potatoes. He fought Marty McSorley like a, you know, like somebody had killed somebody in his family the way he beat the shit out of him. That was a, one of the greatest fights you've ever seen. But doesn't mean he should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, you know, it's the Hall of Fame is for, you know, outstanding continued excellence and being regarded as one of the best at your sport. And I don't think anybody with a brain ever thinks that Wendell Clark was one of the best hockey players ever. He might have been one of the toughest, gutsiest, you know, players who could also actually play hockey and not just fight. 
I'll give you that, but he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And and it also means that he shouldn't. You shouldn't get upset about this trade. I mean, yes, that you should on on the emotional level. And I understand. And listen, like I as we've talked about many times, I've alluded to. I've sort of moved on to basketball a little bit more recently yeah. because the Leafs were so bad for so long prior to uh, Austin Matthews. Yes, but like you know, the Raptors have gone through a similar experience recently with DeMar DeRozan. Um, DeMar DeRozan being an objectively better basketball player than Wendell Clark was a hockey player, but that's another story. Uh, but they traded him away for a better player. And worse, for the Raptors' point of view, they traded him away for one year of a better player. Yeah. In the NHL, the Leafs traded um, Wendell Clark and a couple other player uh, players and a- assets for what turned out to be basically the entire career of a better player. That, yeah. to me... It's just like there's just no there's no reality in which this is a mistake. Like, yes. Now, could you have felt differently at the time? I don't know. Matts had put up 140 14 points two years before this trade, yep. whereas Wendell Clark was coming off his best year of 76. 114, I, 76. I know. Well, it's just some people are like, that's not how you win, Matt. It's not just about yeah, yeah. points. It's about well, and that's the thing. And, and Matt's never won, right? So clearly they were they were right. right? Matt, <laughs> I mean, well, if, if there's a trade that Leafs fans should be a little more upset about, it's when they got Wendell Clark back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that was, he was traded from the Islanders back to the Leafs and he got his amazing homecoming. But that first round pick ended up being fourth overall in 97, which turned out to be Roberto Luongo. And, so, just, and just, just to point out, like, just to show you that I have, I have changed. Yes. Even though I wasn't really paying any attention to hockey in 1996, I remember being like super happy about that. <laughs> they got him back. Yeah. Uh, I was super happy. And now I was young. I was a teenager. I was in high school and I didn't pay any attention to hockey. It was still, it would be like another two years before I cared again. But like, yeah. I remember, I still remember being like, oh, wow, at least got one little car back. I'm so like, I was like super. Uh, doesn't mean I watched a lot of games as a result because yeah. I was a Jays fan, but like I, I was super, super thrilled. And yeah. you were absolutely right in retrospect. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Stings. Cause they, they looked for a goalie. Well, they ended up getting Cujo as a free agent, I believe. So yeah, kind of made it sting a little bit less, but still. Yeah. And then, and then uh, when he came back the third time, I was also very, very happy. So yeah. Don't anyone take this as me thinking like I, I hate Wendell Clark. What I hate is the people who think Wendell Clark is a, a Hall of Famer and B equivalent or better to Matt's. I think they're crazy. Which is a very sorry we got into this big thing, but it's you know. So he it's was cool. traded one other time. Um, <laughs> but he was traded conditionally to the Habs at the end of his career. And I believe what happened was the conditions were to be met if he if he signed a deal with the Habs and he didn't. And so there's essentially no trade. He just became a free agent, so it's not really a trade, but it happened, and everyone was really, really pissed off about it at the time, all the Leafs fans, because um, he didn't waive his no-trade clause until it happened, and, uh, you know, uh, oh, my, uh, sorry, more ranty stuff, but um, <laughs> people are so mad at, uh, at the players here, this, the famous so-called Muskoka Five, for no, not waiving yes. their no-trade no clauses. Matt's in particular took a pay cut for that no trade clause. Um, yeah. He actually did. He took like a million dollars off his, his annual salary, which is a lot of money. We do yeah. not have a million dollars. The idea that, that a, a, 
person should, for the good of the business, give up something that they earned in the yeah. contract negotiations is insane. And you would, you listener would never do that. Yeah. So you shouldn't hold, you shouldn't hold athletes to a different standard. Yeah. It was all, it was the general manager's fault. Not, not the, not Matt's. Anyway, enough. <laughs> yes. Well, so some people in Vancouver are very upset about that with Alex Edler right now. And you're just like, dude, like the guy earned the no trade. He wants yeah. to stay. <laughs> just, you know, yeah. he, he took less money. Like if that's, you shouldn't you know, get mad at players for a wanting to be on your team and B, yeah. for taking that in lieu of money. Well, see, see, people are only happy with that if the team's good and that yeah. player is performing at their at the all time yeah. peak of their career. Yeah. You yeah. Know? When the team starts to suck, they just want more assets, and it's like, well, that's the kind of not how it works. If you don't like that, then just tell you know, just get a GM who's like, I'm not giving out any no movement clauses. Yeah. And you're gonna have to pay the guys more money. Like, just deal with it. <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. So um, the big knock. And the reason why um, he might not get in is, uh, or sorry, he's in already, but why some people think he shouldn't be in is he had one uh, one year where he was among the very, very best players in the league. And that is not the year he scored 114 points because that year everybody did. <laughs> uh, but he, he did, uh, what year was it? 2002, um, where he had, I believe, how many points did he have? Like 80-something because it was 2002. Um yeah, so he had 80 points that year. He was fourth in points, but like hockey reference um, puts him in the. Um, oh yeah, so he's like he was a top five player by. Uh, so that, that's it. It goes to show you, like I mean, that's where there's some comparable with Alfredson, right? Is uh, is like they only they each only had this one year where they were absolutely among the very best players. Um, Matts was more consistent, um, but Alfredson had that you know had 100 points at a at a time when it was maybe a little bit harder than when Matt's had under points, a lot more harder, but like Matt's also, you know, was top five player at a time when it was very hard to score. I yes. mean, he was fourth in the league and he had 80. So, I mean, those are, that's 2002 was like, I think 2002 was the year where like, like the art Ross was one with like 41 goals. <laughs> that sounds about right. What? Like this, yeah. this is like, people are not scoring. Um, but the thing is, you know, the argument is consistency. And one of the things that I wanted to point out is um, he scored 30 goals 13 times, which is a lot. And what, only 10 players have done this. Gretzky, Yager, Bossy, Gartner. Don't know about Dion. Uh, probably Shanahan. I, I didn't list them, but I'm, I'm just yeah. trying to guess off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like Aginla, Aginla, and Ovechkin is probably very close to there. If not Ovechkin's yes. there, um, but like you know, it's a select group. Um, I think the more impressive thing is the seventy points fifteen times. Yeah, one of only six players ever. Uh, Gordy Howe would be one. Yager, um, Ron Francis probably, um, Gretzky, maybe someone like Shanahan or Recky or something like that. But like yeah. very very select group. Maybe Messi. Um, you know, the consistency is like off the charts. Yeah. And that's, so this, so this is, this causes the debate, right? It's like, yeah. what do you do about someone like this who was never absolutely elite, but was very good at a level that was better than the other people who were very good for a very long time. Right. Like, yeah. 
70 points 15 times. He played how many seasons he played? 18? 18. Yeah. All quality. 70, and so it's worth pointing out that one of those seasons he didn't score 70 points in was the lock, uh, was the work stoppage in 94. Yeah. So so he actually if you like uh, prorated that it would be 16 times out of 18 years. Um so to me that is I'm biased obviously. Uh but uh, I mean it's his first in his last year where he doesn't produce at that level. Which yeah, is what you would expect. And you know it's and you know he had gone to Vancouver and even then I think he was uh, you know he he may he basically jumped into the league halfway through the year, and I think he still had like 29 points in 40-something games. Like, I mean, it's not like he was that far off that pace either. And he yeah. was, pro- you know, he was 40, I think, at the time, or 39? He was, he was 37, uh, actually. He was okay, so. But it was but the very end of the played in, in half a season. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, you know? And, like, he was he was one of our better players in that playoff year, too. So, I mean, um, and, and you know, to, to Sundin's credit, I, th- I think that's sort of one of the things that you take away from his career. And if you're going to say anything about him going to Vancouver, it's like he, he sort of, he, he was so consistent and such a pro at things that the, the next year was the year where Vancouver, you know, you know, won the Art Ross trophy and had the number one power play, most goals for, fewest goals against the year that they should have won the cup. And almost all those guys, Kessler scored 40 something goals that year. The, the Sedins went, you know, ape and won the Art Ross and they, they were so much better and more consistent as players. And to, to a man, a lot of the players said, yeah, when Sundin came here and we saw the way that he put in the time and the work and the dedication, it changed. Like we learned a lot from him about how to become that always consistent number one player. I'm going to be the guy every night. Like they, a lot of them said that. Oh, um, I think it's a testament to, and I think if he would have come back, they probably would have won the cup in 2011. If he just would have come back for enough money to fit under the cap. Yes. Yeah. Imagine if he's there, Kessler scoring 41 goals and he's your third line center. I mean, even with all the injuries, you know, as we know, Matt's never got hurt. So he would have been healthy. Yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, speaking of cup type things, yes. um, he of course didn't have a lot of playoff success in the NHL. Um, I mean, he, he went on several, you know, he made the, the Eastern conference finals a couple of times twice, but yeah. one of those times he was hurt and missed a yeah. ton of games. And in mm-hmm. fact, weirdly seemed to ruin team chemistry when he came back because Alan McCauley of all people went on a crazy <laughs> playoff run with yeah. Gary Roberts and like, was like leading the team in points or something close to it. Gary Roberts, I think was leading the team in points that year. Yeah. And then Matt's came back and like, they couldn't get the lines right. Um, that was one of their problems. I mean, their problem was they couldn't score against the Hurricanes. But um, I believe that, that was the year that the final game, I believe, so the, I don't remember. Legend has it they had six shots on goal in a game. But, oh, man. Uh, I don't – I remember seeing that, but I actually I've never gone back and checked to be like to be sure that was it. But I've definitely heard people say that too. Like that's – that's Toronto's collective memories. They had six yeah. shots on goal in their final game. Like they really just gave up. But – um, he did. He did have that other ninety nine. He had a much better run um, when they got beat by the Sabers, uh, and I believe Hashik. But also, I think Hashik's backup, which was really weird and shitty. Um, but the reason I um, I bring this up is because if you don't look at the NHL, he has a lot of uh, success. He's won an Olympic medal. Um, his his World Cup team. For is is 
all World Cup teams aside from Canada, U.S. are basically all Sirhans, right? But they were um, they made the semifinals twice, and he was um, a tournament All Star and by points the best player on both of those teams. And then he won the MVP um, when he was on a, a World Championship team that didn't win in 03. Um, he was he led the tournament in points uh, for World Championship bronze. Um, he won. He was the best player. Or he led the tournament in points, um, but for some reason didn't get any media awards. Um, on another team that actually won the World Championship, uh, he was awarded a Best Forward award. On another one, he was awarded a Media All Star. The point is, this this idea that he wasn't a clutch performer, or playoff performer is bullshit. <laughs> he didn't have a lot of support on the Leafs, but when he was international, he he did very well. Yeah, you know he's got a whole bunch of like um, it, various medals, not just you know not all of them are gold, but he's got some bronze and silvers, and he's also got a lot of like tournament awards and le- and leading entire tournaments and points multiple times. So that would uh, depending on how you want to weight international experience and recognition, I'd say that that puts it, that's a big uh, you know a vote in his favor. He did very. He was a very good international player, um, and he unfortunately was on the world championship teams a lot because the Leafs sucked. Yeah, and the Nordiques <laughs> sucked when he was on the Nordiques. So that too, because a number of those teams actually, when I look at them, I'm like, oh yeah, he was on the Nordiques for those years. So, verdict. Uh, absolutely. In. Yeah, I mean, I I'm a, I'm an absolutely, but I feel like it's coming from a very biased point of view. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, mine's mine's not that biased. Uh, he only played a half a season for our team, yeah. uh, but I watched his entire career. And not being necessarily a Leafs fan, in fact, many years I really wished they wouldn't win, just because I couldn't stand. I, I couldn't stand the way guys like Tucker and you know uh, Corson and you know they were just they were kind of a dirty team. We we had a lot of we had a lot of goony players, yeah. and and I knew that they were able to you know go get a guy like Curtis Joseph to play in nets for them. Or you know, Bell, yeah. you know, all the other guys. Like they'd always be able to solve their goaltending problem. Meanwhile, I'm in Vancouver and like, oh my god, if we could just get a good goalie, we have the team. Just we've got Cloutier and Nets, and we can't afford. You yeah. know, Vancouver's budget used to be like thirty three million dollars a year, and the Leafs are spending probably like sixty five or seventy. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh god, I wish we could get, we could buy that guy. We were, we were like, not the Rangers because the Rangers were like took it to Same. extremes. Yeah. Because they managed to not only did they throw money at everyone, they also threw money at everyone and were bad. Whereas yes. the Leafs were at least a playoff team for a good chunk while they were throwing money at everyone. Yeah. But like Jesus, they just threw money at anybody, yeah. and like then they were always old. Yeah. Um, um, Win with veterans. It was that veteran know-how in the playoffs that got yeah. you through. You didn't need to be fast. You needed to be smart enough to get away with stuff. Basically. Yeah. 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 Um, Yes. Yeah. So uh, Sundin's a lock for me. I mean, point of game player played, you know, a good chunk of his career during the clutch and grab era, never had a drop off during that, you know, yeah. it's kind of the same compliments I gave Alfredson, except to a much more uh, extreme level of just being like, wow, that guy was undeniably consistently excellent. Um, yeah. I don't think you ever would have said he was the best player in the league at any year that he played in, but you'd be hard pressed to find you know, 10 guys better than he was. And he did it every year. It's like with, with not much help. So, I mean, that's, that's there's gotta be something to said, be said for that. Too yeah. As well. like I would say like, if you were to compare, uh, Alfredson and Sundin's yeah. line mates with the exception of when 
Matt's was in um, Quebec. Yeah. You know, they, they like, you know, Alfredson enjoyed the primes of, uh, of Yashin, of Hosa, of Heatley, of Spezza, yeah. you know, and like, Matt's got the prime of Sergey Berzin. Uh, you know, like he got like Gilmore was old, and then Gilmore got traded. Andrzejczyk, I think, was already gone. Yeah, Clark was old. Uh, McGilly and Roberts, when they got there, were old. Thomas was old. You know, yeah. and then you had like Igor Korolev and Robert Reichel, and they weren't even playing on the same line. Mikhail yeah. Ren- Renberg, the ghost of Mikhail Renberg. Oh yes, and Jonas Hoagland all the time. Yeah, you know, and, I, I I think you could say that he. He gave Sergey Bears in his prime. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, without Mats, I don't think he does anything close to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, that was a very long segment. Sorry, yes. that's my fault. What um, happens when it's one of your favorite players? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have one more player. Uh, it is Odie Cleghorn, and uh, he's the brother of the more famous Sprague Cleghorn. They have both great names, I think. It's safe to say. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. um, he was a right winger. Um, I believe he also played center at, at times. Uh, he played uh, in the NHL for 10 years. And before that, he somehow played in the NHA for seven, which is crazy because he was born relatively similar in in age to the some of the guys we've been talking about who were like too young to play in the um, – <laughs> Um, the NHA, so he must have started in the NHA when he was really young. I didn't see when exactly. Um, but he was uh, in the NHA, he was possibly fifth all time in points. We don't know. Um, I've I still never found a definitive uh, leaderboard, but like he, he, he scored a lot. Um, he was on a shitty team, he was on the Wanderers. The Montreal Wanderers, and uh, they basically they played two playoff games in seven seasons. Wow, um, they were not good. Uh, and because of that, I think one of the reasons why he's maybe not remembered as well as some of these other guys who were as offensively dominant, like this guy scored 158 points in 119 games in the NHA, and 135 goals in 119 games because it was a different game back then. Um, I think one of the reasons he was he's not as well remembered is he was not on a good team. Um. He also had success at the NHL level, though. Um, he had uh, 95, sorry, 129 points in 181 games. So that is, you know, it, it's not anywhere near as, it's, there's a noticeable drop-off in his points per game um, when he moves to the NHL. Um, but he was still good enough when he retired for being 15th all-time in points. Uh, his 82-game average is 58 points, and that is because he played Basically, you know, the NHL in the early years was sort of two different leagues. It was very wide open initially, and then as the 20s progressed, it got less and less high scoring. So he played long enough that his scoring averages dropped. Um, and not long enough to – there was another big explosion when they allowed forward passing and uh, and counted the second assist some in the very late 20s. Um, and he would have been old by that point. And maybe not even. I don't remember the exact year they started counting the uh, the, four, uh, the second assist. I think it was like twenty nine or thirty. So I think he was already retired. Yeah. Um, and he had you know his playoff numbers. It, it's hard to know with the playoffs back then because they were they were short. But he has uh, nine points in twelve games, so below point per game. But like the fact that he was even in twelve games, he was on a better team. Should be noted. 
when he was in the NHL, he was on the Canadians. Yes, yeah, he won. He won a cup with them in 1924. He did. Um, yes, it's it's interesting looking at his early career. He he ended up being one of those guys. Um, he ended up playing with the New York Wanderers very briefly. Scored 15 goals in eight games played. And the 1909-1910 season, he would have been 18 or 19 years old because yeah. um, he was born in 1891. Uh, and then the next year, he played for the Renfrew Creamery Kings, which if you've watched the um, the uh, hockey, uh, hockey of People's History um, thing that CBC and Ford put out, oh God, years and years ago, yeah. um, that details the entire history. The Renfrew Creamery Kings were one of the you know, original sort of let's get all the best players together, barnstorm sort of teams. Yeah. Um, and he scored 20 goals in 16 games for them with 66 penalty minutes. So he was, uh, he was full of beans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and then, and then when he went to the, you know, in the NHA, he would routinely score more than a goal a game, or at least at a goal a game sort of pace. Well, well, uh, goal game. Very impressive stuff uh, to start his career when he was, you know, young and uh, raring to go. And then uh, also there's something cool about his, he, he played uh, in the National Hockey League for the Canadians and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and in the 25-26 season, he was the one who created the idea of set lines and rotating those lines. Because before then, you would just, oh, are you ready to go? You're one of our best players. Get back out there sort of thing. Like they didn't always play with the same line mates. Yeah. So he sort of created the idea of having three set lines instead of, and rotating them at like the entire line would change at once instead of just individual players when they felt like they needed to rest. So that's, Wait, uh, that's pretty interesting. I didn't, I, I didn't know that. And that's another thing that sort of makes me think like, why isn't this guy in the hall of fame? Because oh. like, like, here's the thing, like he was a, he was a, a star offensive player in the NHA yeah. um, multiple times, like two, at least two years. Um, actually, sorry, at least three years, uh, four years by points, three years by assists, two years by goals. Yeah. Um, and then he was a star, um, brief, uh, for the first few years of his NHL career. And then he wasn't after that. Um, yeah. he, he won a cup. He might've won another cup had it not been for Spanish flu, right? Yeah. He was on the, the Canadians, um, that year they got canceled. Yeah. Um, he was not a star on the second cup he won, but he was older. At that point, um, I I don't I cannot definitively say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are people we've already talked about and people we will talk about old timers who have less of an impressive resume who are in. I would I would uh, say so too. Yeah, I can understand why he's not in. Yeah, because like, and the thing is, the only way to really know that for sure, like if like, and I haven't done this, is if we went back and like sort of like assigned points to like. The, the achievements, right? Like if you yeah. went back and said like, every time you like lead the league in this, you get like X number of points every time you're top five, you get Y, whatever. And you do that with all these guys, you might see like, you might be able to determine exactly who that is. But like, I'm, I'm looking at his resume. His resume is pretty impressive. And I'm like, I think this guy's not in because he has one cup and lots of guys who are in have three or four from this era. And because he was like, his NHA team sucked. Like, yeah, that's, I think he's not in. And like that to me, that's not a good, those aren't good reasons. Like that's, yeah. you know, there, there are guys who are in, who were not, were not like a, um, a star as much as he was offensively anyway, I think. And like, I can't name them right now, but I'm pretty sure. And I don't know, to me, I look at this and I go like this, it, especially I didn't know about the line thing. The line thing is like an added thing. Like, oh, he did that. That's that's a big deal. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, he was, so the, basically as he transitioned out from being uh, a player where he won the Stanley Cup in 24-25, then he became a player coach for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Much more a coach in the last two seasons where he yeah. only played a couple of games. It wasn't been like, ah, oh, we need a, we need a little spark today. I'll play boys. And it had zero yeah. points. <laughs> so I think he, he was, was a great career, yeah. And it's actually interesting too. It was just reading um, when, when he died, his, uh, his brother Scra uh, Sprague, uh, died of uh, died in a car accident or of his injuries following a car accident, and uh, just a few hours before his uh, his brother's funeral, uh, they found him in his bed dead of heart failure. So he died pretty much almost the exact same time as his brother. Um, Did not know that. Yeah, it's uh, pretty tragic. Really? Both of them at once yeah. like that. But yeah, I don't I, honestly. I can't think of a reason that he wouldn't be in. Yeah, I mean, I, the only reason I can think of is because they like someone decided to number of cups. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is back then, like, oh, did you win at least two or three cups? Because otherwise, nah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because there are guys, there are guys who were like, well, we, some of them we haven't even talked about. Some role player guys who are in the hall, you know, who are like, we're like, we didn't even think to discuss because we we basically would be like spending like ten minutes shitting on them. I mean, essentially, <laughs> and not not really, but like, you know, what I mean, of like yeah. being like. Like why is why this guy, is guy why is this guy in the hall? Yeah, um, and we've done that a few times with people we did talk about, but like for the most part, I think most of the old timers we look at, we go, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, and and this guy is, I'm not sure he's he's definitely not the first old timer who wasn't in, but he's the first old timer I feel like who wasn't in. We're looking and like, why? Yeah, did he get overlooked? Like, yeah. I think the bar is, you know, we've we've talked about this a lot. The bar for the NHL, or the Hockey Hall of Fame, is is not that high yeah um and it's not that high right now but it also in the early days when they were first in the 50s they were letting a lot of people in you know yeah. they really wanted to like get a bunch of people and and as you've said many times bill there is sort of like we sort of like joke that maybe they were just all sitting around they're like who's got a good story oh yeah okay that guy and like it does feel like this is one of those guys who like they just didn't remember him fondly enough yeah. when when it came time because like i know they didn't have access to things like point shares yeah and point shares are really sketchy and i and I'm, so there's a qualifier yeah. but like when you go by point shares he was um for his first four years of being in the nhl five years he was one of the one of the better players oh one yeah of the best I mean, sports. and even when he like if you look at his career he's over or very close to a goal a game. Um, and for his entire career, he ends up being over a goal a game in spite of like the end of his career. He really wasn't scoring the last uh, three years he played in the NHL. But before that, I mean, he's got, he comes to the NHL with the Canadians. He's got 20 goals in 21 games. He's got, uh, then he's got six in 21, which is weird and makes me think maybe they switched him back to defense yeah. out of necessity, which could be potentially true. Something that um, happened for sure. And then uh, 21 and 24, 19 and 24. And then the year that they win the cup in 24, he ends up having two goals and five assists in 22 games. Again, they may have switched him back to defense, um, yeah. which would be the only reason to explain why he dropped off. And then he has three goals in 30 the next year and then two in 17. So all of a sudden he goes from scoring 20 goals a year to two, three and two. It's like, I think yeah. they might have either he was just on the third line, barely played or he's playing defense, all you know, and he's an important player, but just not an offensive player um, yeah. anymore. And he's still, if you look at his NHA, NHA totals and NHL totals, 
Um, his NHA, he's got 135 goals in 119 games. Yeah. And then his NHL totals, he's got 95 and 181 games. So yeah. if you take into account those seasons where he very well could have been playing defense or b- was barely used, he's still got quite a few goals. Well, like, look he's at a good the, solid player. You, here, here's the difference. Yeah. Montreal, NHL, 0.79 yeah. points per game, which is respectable. It's not like the crazy lights out, uh, you know, New Zealand alone, Joe Malone, but he also played past yeah. their era when the league got a lot. Yeah. Pittsburgh, 0.14. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he he was the coach. I mean, he was essentially, like you said, he was essentially the coach. And like, I do wonder to what degree that impacted mm-hmm. his career when people look at it and you look at those last few years and they're like, this guy. Yeah. But like, he was he was a star uh, in the NHL, and then but he was also a star in the NHL, and like, and to a much longer degree than some of the other guys who were in. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he might be as high as fifth all-time in points, for, uh, points, total points in NHA history. Yeah. Which is and like, if, that guy's not? If you look at the first um, the first five years of his NHL career from 19 to 24, yeah. he's got seasons of 22, 20, 21, and 19 goals. And then he's got two years where he only scores a combined eight goals. So that pulls it down. But I think he's still very close to a goal a game. And yeah. then it's like off a cliff. He doesn't basically scores five goals for the rest of his career. And he still plays another uh, like 50 something games. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's going to hurt his overall total like crazy. And you know that he, he was either barely playing or he was like the coach player guy, like a Reggie Dunlop. Like I'm only here to inspire the troops and get out there sort of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. so I, I, I feel like maybe that unjustly, maybe that's what's keeping him out and people need to look at that way more closely. Well, I think he's been forgotten at this point. I, I mean, maybe not. I mean, obviously not in certain communities, but like certainly in the general public. I mean, I didn't know who he was. I have heard of his brother, yeah, uh, but I really hadn't heard of him. I mean, in fact, when I do my hockey history uh, quizzes on Sporkle.com plug, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I guess Cleghorn probably silly thinking of his brother, and I might even get him sometimes because I'm thinking yeah. of his brother because um, his brother is just way more famous. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, to me, I'd say as a case for sure. And I think there are, and again, this is a little bit like Albertson actually, in the sense that like, I am not sure I think his NHL numbers probably put him in, but like if we just talked about the NHL numbers, I'm not sure. I think he belongs in a like exclusive hall. Yeah. But like, given the number of people, the number of like not completely dominant people from like the 1920s who are currently in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I'm amazed he isn't. Yeah, I seriously I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't be. Yeah. All right. So to wrap up. Uh, Alfredson? Barely, but yes. Okay. I, I'm, yeah. I mean, same here. Basically, to me, it's like ideal or perfect world, no. But I think the standard has been set where he does belong. Um, Matt's? Yep, definitely. Slam dunk. Um, I would actually not go quite so far as slam dunk, but I, I believe it belongs. I, I, um, I think I feel I think I feel more strongly in terms of like continued excellence where there just is no drop off. I think I'm a yeah. big believer in that. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, like it's it's. I mean, I was going to say something earlier, but I was like, we're talking about it way too much. Um, but like <laughs> Alfredson scored seventy points ten times. Matt's did yeah. it fifteen. Yeah, fifty percent more. Fifty percent more. 
Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Uh, and then Odie Claiborne. I, I think he should be in. I don't know why he's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested to know if anyone knows why. Yeah. If there's some like reason, like, or, or he was never, maybe they just never got around to him. I don't know. It's very weird. All right. Uh, that is it for us for this very long episode. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with my, my Maple Leafs rants. Um, and uh, we will uh, we will see you next time for a, a Russian episode. Well, a two-thirds Russian episode anyway with Beret and McGilney. Should be great. I am looking forward to it. So uh, see you next time. See you next time. Take care.